0: Chapter thirteen of the pathway of the pioneer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The pathway of the pioneer by dolph willard. Chapter thirteen friends old friends and what if it ends shall we dare to shirk what we live to learn? It has done its work, it has served its turn, and forgive or forget or hanker and fret, we can be no more as we were before. If it ends it ends with friends w e henley we dwindle in numbers said flair but the tide is surely turning said frank cheerfully for some of us added magda quietly her friend deb had come down to fill beatrice place and b a was there to take alma's but winnie was gone also and hilda had announced her engagement and through their sincere congratulations fell the shadow of good-bye there was not one of them that wished it otherwise but there was not one who did not know that hilda must take up her new life and drift apart from them they had lost their god of the sun the apollo belvedere and the grave beauty of the greek face would look from another setting a better one they knew they were not on the whole a lugubrious community but when one is always disheartened and generally disappointed it comes hard to be cheerful even over another's gain, which means one's own loss. It is possible to be content with very little, nous autres are proving it every day. But the theory of divine patience supposes an inevitable crown as a reward. Show me the religion that says be good for the love of good and does not throw in heaven as a bribe. Christ himself, Buddha himself, may have said it. But perhaps because the priests have narrowed the wide ground plan of religion to rules and dogmas, they have always been forced to hold out an ultimate gain to get their flock into the fold. Nous autres do not as a rule believe in dogma. They are not, as has been seen, very religious. They generally do their needlework on Sunday, a shameful thing to all good churchwomen who would rather be slovenly and dirty and use the needle and thread on the sabbath because they had not time during the six days that god might have decreed them work and they do not think that by saying long prayers they will attain heaven their experience of earth rather leading them to doubt the existence of such a place nevertheless they do believe in its essential essence and they go straight for the blind faith that is in them and that finds expression in some ideal such as hilda found in her traditions frank in her mother alma because being of god she loved god the real one not the exclusive property of sex beatrice in her self-respect flair because as she said she couldn't be a cad there is no hope of reward in this world or the next to urge them sometimes they slip and fall sometimes like winnie they are driven mad and reckless or like beatrice they tender their resignation but in the main they fight a good fight and when they finish their course they have kept the faith when one of them touches the hope of happiness as hilda had done they rejoice the more in that they have known none such themselves but it is hard to lose a comrade and their feeling found expression in magda's voice as she answered frank the tide is turning for some of us I had a letter from Alma today, said Flair, and perhaps she introduced the subject with intention. She is really in luck at last. She was under studying a character part, and the woman who had it fell ill, and Alma played it. The original actress has had to go home, and Alma is not only to play it through the tour, but is to be in their next London production. Flair never embroidered news on fiction lines she gave it succinctly as a journalist but it made its effect hurrah frank exclaimed dear old girl i am glad b a give me a glass of neat claret on the strength of that we'll all drink her health standing up get up hilda yours will come next here don't dig me in the ribs frank or send me on to the floor in your enthusiasm hilda retorted beginning to laugh and nearly choking over her glass in consequence Propose the toast, somebody, I am going to start, for she's a jolly good fellow. Here's Alma Craik and her continued success, said Frank. Somehow it seemed Frank's lot in life to start the cheering, for those who were luckier than herself, for as she herself said, she was born to play accompaniments. Just as she had given the note for the national anthem in the extension, so now she began the hip hip hurrah with such good effect that RL looked as if he wanted to put his paws over his ears or stuff them with his tail hip hip hurrah rang the voices to the accompaniment of clinked glasses and then for she's a jolly good fellow sang frank they could all sing except ba and she refilled the glasses for she's a jolly good fellow for she's a jolly good fellow and so say all of us and now ladies another toast said frank before they subsided i call upon you to drink the health of hilda Romaine, one of ourselves nous autres and to wish her health wealth and happiness we think don't we that she is fortunate in marrying a man like julian thorson not only because he is a successful man but because everyone knows that he is a gentleman and a good one but we think also don't we girls and Frank's voice rang that Julian Thorson is more to be congratulated on marrying our hilda and we speak from what we know and have proved of her Salute, news autre hip hip the last echo of the final shout made several people in duncannon street pause under the impression that a school-treat must be going on in the unlikely precincts of the little side turning And they would have been quite incredulous had they been informed that the noise was due to six girls. Then Frank started the chorus again, and they sang it standing until they were hoarse, and dropped exhausted into their seats, whereupon Hilda patted Frank on the head by mean advantage of her inches, and RL, still suspicious of their sanity, jumped for Flair's knee and prodded her nobody but b a and magda as it chanced were smoking to-night the rest of the society had been forced to bring some work with them as occasionally happened when the hours had been long in office or theatre and the woman's day had got pushed on one side for they keep the sabbath to rest in when they can claire was trimming a hat and doing it very badly she usually left this sort of thing to alma who was a born milliner but alma being away flair's appearance suffered hilda was mending gloves and not remembering for a minute that she would not have to do it in the future deb was tatting embroidery to trim underlinen and frank was darning stockings with great industry if i don't get a pair done tonight i shall have to go to the office with a hole in my heel tomorrow she said with a chuckle go on flair tell us more of alma's letter she was rather funny about her landlady you know what theatrical landladies are it appears that the company arrived at this last place at six in the morning and alma was so fagged when she had found her digs that she just lay down on the sofa while her breakfast was prepared and smoked a cigarette she noticed that the landlady was casting suspicious glances at her so at last she spoke well mrs jones she said you look very surprised haven't you ever seen an actress smoke before you have had plenty here no miss said the landlady gloomily no they didn't smoke but they did everything else she added alma said she never heard anything so suggestively inclusive everyone laughed perhaps because they were determined to be in good spirits perhaps because flair told her tale with a certain dry humor She was frowning and sighing over the tortured hat on her knee the next moment, and ended by trying it on R.L., who twitched a vexed ear and turned round the other way. Hang the brute. The hat. Not R.L. It won't come right, said Flair. Besides, I can't see. Frank just light the gas a minute. There's a good fellow. Frank did as she was requested and saw something besides the mangled hat flair you are looking very seedy she said decidedly when are you going for a holiday oh next month any time said flair absently tying a nasty tight bow of ribbon and putting it at a most unbecoming angle when i've got this hat finished perhaps besides i've had my holiday really for i went away with alma in may it's only the heat that makes me limp ninety in the shade this week the underground has been like hades What a pity you have to go on it, Frank looked a trifle anxiously at Flair. Sometimes it seems to me wicked that women should be born delicate when they have to work. We ought all to have been made of cast iron. Yes, but our parents very seldom realized the duty that they owed to the next generation, said Deb shrewdly. We are all pledged to the future, and ought to be taught to acknowledge the debt from the first. Every woman who marries should have to pass a medical examination if i had my way and if she put on false airs of shame more shame to her deb was almost as tall as hilda and made on a much larger scale she impressed her hearers with a sense of one having authority and she looked big enough to take all news ultra into her capacious heart there was indeed something maternal about her that made flare snuggle up to her at times and magda rest her head against her knee when she came home tired flair depended on b a for strength when she needed support alma for sympathy and deb to mother her on the rarest of occasions she admired magda had sympathised with beatrice and loved winnie while hilda and frank stood to her for all the virtues her point of view is valuable as somewhat sampling that of the other girls that is ruskin's view said magda i always thought it very sane and not at all impossible and as to scaring anyone off marriage it couldn't do that more than most women are scared by the little they know that seems to me taking an exaggerated view of a small detail said flair with brutal plainness the real gravity of marriage consists in the little things of everyday life and whether one can be satisfied oneself and make one's companion satisfied much more than in the bogey, which women make out of certain functions of nature they are a shock i admit when you first learn of them but they are such a very very small detail compared with ordering the dinner and knowing a little about the money article just enough to listen intelligently magda's mouth was mutinous but she did not follow a dangerous subject she had her own opinions and flair was shamelessly outspoken if pressed instead of risking anything more outrageous she coolly seized on flair's notebook a dear possession and never far from its owner and turning the pages took her fountain pen out of its leather case what are you doing or going to do demanded flair making a feeble grab at her property and failing signally in her effort to regain it i am not going to read the poetry with which i see that this is filled in horrible disjointed lines said magda as she laid her half-smoked cigarette on the ashtray with thrifty care but the spirit moves me to draw hilda at this particular crisis in her existence and i have too much respect for my own gowns to carry a notebook wantonly when i must have a bulging pocket i must but i don't live in expectation of being taken ill with an inspiration as you apparently do well i don't carry letters from the last man who has asked me to tea or luncheon as you have to do daily, lest you forget, retorted Flair. Half a dozen love letters must ruin the set of your gowns quite as much as my innocent notebook. However, I forgive you if you will make us a good likeness of Hilda. Get to work, April. Hilda obligingly turned her face in the position that Magda wanted, and BA offered the artist a pencil. But Magda declined and began to sketch with her fountain pen on a sheet of Flair's scribbled book, where burdens for ballads were hopelessly mixed with faint imitations of Rossetti and Lindsay Gordon, and half a line would mean as much as a shorthand note to Flair, and get worked up some time into topical verses. Like all true artists, Magda thought in her own medium, and the most natural expression of her art, for her, was in line she drew with a sure and certain touch for some silent minutes and then handed the result to flair it was as successful a sketch as any she had ever made pure and bold in outline characteristic of hilda a simple expression of magda's thought of her friend ah how good flair exclaimed in honest delight and you have kept the look of the apollo belvedere hilda you must certainly have a son And he must be just like the statue and do please arrange for him to be six feet high put in deb comically i see so many undersized things in the city that i begin to wonder if there are any men left in existence magda looked at hilda with raised brows as her sketch was passed round and admired i hope you are taking all this in apollo she said dryly we are giving you due notice of our wishes beforehand you see indeed our whole very questionable conversation to-night is solely for your benefit and inspired by your startling news which has demoralised us yes hilda and for goodness sake don't let any mistaken ideas of modesty stop you from knowing what to do for your children said frank earnestly our mothers thought it womanly to ignore the question so that they ran risks of which we are the shining examples and results. We may be immodest and coarse in our generation, but at least let us have nothing to answer for in the way of feeble constitutions and the germs of disease. She glanced instinctively at Flair's flaccid white face bent over the hat. Of all nous autres, you are the most fit to be a mother. Pay the debt owed to us, to the next generation and if it should happen which god forbid that a daughter of yours should be one of nous let her come to the struggle at least well equipped with a sound body and a healthy mind hear hear said magda you are not offended are you hilda not at all though i think you need not be so previous with my nursery said hilda with a little irrepressible laugh i know what you mean frank and i have more theories if anything than you have marriage is after all a woman's most natural and greatest work not the accomplishing of the mere marriage ceremony but all that comes afterwards in daily life it means the giving of one's whole energies to it to make a success i am with you there said flair without raising her eyes from her work if i married i should give up trying to write i don't believe in serving two masters i wish you were happily married flair though it would mean good-bye to literature for you. They say no really happy woman writes a book, or for that matter does anything else to absorb and distract her mind. But it would, I am sure, be an immense gain in some ways to you. It is a more correct lens through which to focus things in the world generally than the one by which you see. Flair laughed shortly. You wish I were married? she said slowly. I. How about health and heredity, Hilda, and the next generation? No, we suffer for the faults of someone behind us, but at least we need not let our children have to say the same thing. There is only one honest course for the victims of heredity to take, and that is not to aid in the wrong from which they have themselves suffered. We condemn our parents, then let us be consistent, and not repeat the mistakes we have discovered there is not much that we can do in this world perhaps but at least we can abstain from doing hilda was rather blankly silent her troubled eyes rested on flair's rumpled head and the curious blue shade round her mouth and eyes and she was too honest to say that she thought Flare had anything desirable to bequeath to another generation even her brains were a thought morbid and ill-balanced the natural outcome of an ailing body perhaps she was no darling of nature but she was the implacable example of many an outraged law and served the living sermon preached without intention by poor humanity the result of hilda's scrutiny was that she spoke rather irrelevantly and certainly abruptly claire i wish you would go and see your doctor you can't afford to play tricks all right said Flare, with an easy little laugh i knew that was coming the poor man will tell me to avoid stairs and to do my writing lying down on my back he always does is there anything really the matter with you flair b a asked kindly she was shrewdly accustomed to calculate the strain of minds upon bodies and to judge just how much the mechanism would stand and did not overgear her pupils any more than she did her bicycle nothing new said flair composedly i have a weak constitution and in consequence a weak circulation and a weakened heart it would be affectation to say i was sound anywhere but i have no cause for alarm i don't suffer any pain unless i do silly things and then i have a sharp attack that teaches me wisdom attack of what said magda resentfully she had the energy to combat definite ills and she hated an unseen adversary i am sure i don't know said flair yawning it's about as sharp as cramp and it comes on pretty quick if it went on long i expect you'd die of sheer pain but it never does go on talk of something else please the future of the nation seems laid on its women first and last remarked frank scrambling out of her chair who goes home don't get up flair R. L. looks so comfortable you can let yourselves out to-night said flair i am posing as an invalid on hilda's suggestion we do not want any more gaps in the circle said hilda quietly it was the only direct reference made to beatrice that night nous are not given to wailing and they had said directly to each other as they chanced to meet all that was to be said the tide is turning said frank hopefully we have done with all the saddest parts hilda and now we shall begin to look forward you are our beacon star your wedding is to be our new starting point hilda smiled her grave smile there was little alteration as yet in the noble beauty of her face unless it were for a softer color in her eyes and a gentler setting of her lips but she would always be rather grave than gay I want to bring Mr. Thorson to introduce to you all, she said. Or if you like it better, you can come and meet him somewhere. But you must all know him. All that were left of them, left of six hundred, hummed B.A. Don't croak, said Frank, pounding her on the back with an excellent intention of improving her spirits. I want Alma here to back me up and uphold my theory that the tide is turning. You have said that before, said Magda teasingly. Repetition of a phrase is one of the first things to eliminate in composition, and if you insist on being so optimistic, I shall back Flair's pessimism. We dwindle in numbers. End of chapter thirteen.